This is the third podcast in the IAS series on living in the time of coronavirus. Here we listen to Professor Chaim Jacobi, Professor of Development Planning at the Bartlett School of Architecture, and Professor Michelle Pache, Professor in Global Studies at Roskilde University in Denmark, discuss the potential impact of COVID-19 in Gaza. Their analysis forms part of a wider Wellcome Trust-funded research project on the interconnections of power, violence and health in contemporary conflict zones. Our current and ongoing research, supported by the Wellcome Trust, started eight months ago with the aim of examining how power, violence and health are entangled in conflict zones in general and in Gaza in particular. This project is a collaboration with Professor Michelle Pacha, my co-PI, as well as with Dr. Manal Masalcha and Dr. Ziad Abu Mustafa, our research assistants. Throughout the last few months, we documented and analyzed the effect of infrastructure destruction on health in Gaza, especially in relation to access to health services, nutrition, and clean water. With the outbreak of the COVID-19, we felt that our research is highly relevant. Within the politics of data these days, we learned that tens of people in Gaza Strip have tested positive for COVID-19. This number may look very small when compared to the shocking figures in China, the US, Spain, or Italy. However, in light of the rapid spread of this global pandemic on the one hand, and the ongoing violence and destruction caused by Israel on the other, the conditions in Gaza will lead to a human catastrophe. This will not be a natural disaster, but rather a product of decades of settler colonial policy that has been consciously designed and sustained to achieve the dismantling of the street. Our approach is that health should be contextualized and politicized. In our Welcome Trust project, we show how Israel's settler colonial enterprise has transferred Gaza from a ghetto, as it is often described, into a frontier. This for us is fundamental in understanding how Gazans as a targeted group in a frontier are victims of cleansing and death. We observe non-life in Gaza through the work of James Ron, who wrote a book about frontiers and ghettos. Ron's work is important for our research on Gaza because it sheds light on how, along Gaza's frontiers, the Israeli state has few and weak moral obligations. According to Ron, The more that a state controls a given territory, the more it feels an administrative and political sense of responsibility for the population within it. This sense of responsibility leads states to choose less overt, violent modes of repression in ghettos as compared to when states target populations at a frontier. What we are trying to explain through our research are the violent ways in which Gazans have arrived at this state of what we refer to as a liminal kind of life, in between life and death. And in order to ensure 
that we all clearly understand the inherent violence in the destruction of Gaza and its inhabitants. We also draw upon the important work of Rob Nixon. Nixon focuses our attention and alerts us to the types of violence which occur gradually and out of sight. In his own words, a violence of delayed destruction that is dispersed across time and space. An attritional violence that is typically not viewed as violence at all, or what he refers to as slow violence. In drawing upon Nixon's work, we seek to make more visible the slow violence that Israel's settler colonial enterprise has been engaged in and continues to be engaged in relentlessly and with what effects on the daily lives of Gazans. As also illustrated, for instance, by our interviewee. The fierce occupation disrupted the beauty of Gaza. The occupation intervened in every detail of our life. It has upset the people, trees, animals, to the extent that the occupation has contaminated the air we breathe, as the aim of the Israeli regime is to suffocate the citizens in Gaza in order for us to accept the less-than-humane life. The Israeli government has stolen Gazan water, and the water that remains is unsuitable for drinking. The health system in Gaza, even before the outbreak of the COVID-19, is not able to cope with the health needs of almost 2 million people living in the Strip. With the Israeli blockade and its restrictions on the movement of goods and people remaining inact since 2007, the Palestinian divide unresolved the chronic disruption of electricity and food supplies, the conditions on the ground in Gaza have deteriorated. In the space of less than six years between 2008 and 2014, Gaza experienced three devastating wars which not only inflicted human loot around 4,000 people and left thousands injured and displaced, but which also targeted key infrastructure, including Gaza power plant, sewage treatment facilities, hospitals, schools, factories, agricultural farm, and local industries. The social determinants of health as defined by the WHO, that is, the systems that produce and reproduce the health conditions in places where people are born, live and work must be politicized in a settler colonial context. Some might argue that Gaza is no longer a settler colonial regime since Israel withdrew from the Strip in 2005 and put an end to its grip of the people of Gaza. We object such claims and argue that the withdrawal from Gaza marks not only a continuation but even a radicalization of settler colonialism in Gaza. We suggest that settler colonialism without the physical presence of settlers inside Gaza is at the core of the transformation of the Strip into a frontier, where Israel has fewer and weaker moral obligations over Gaza's population and hence the possibility of manipulating destructive power and violent practices is even bigger. 
In the face of the situation in Gaza, we suggest that it is time to acknowledge that the COVID-19 crisis in Gaza is not the result of any natural disaster. Rather, we maintain that the conditions in Gaza must be understood within the context of settler colonialism's ongoing political history, ideology, and geography, which prioritizes territorial and demographic control over everyday life and the basic rights of Gazans. With the outbreak of the COVID-19, Gaza has only 56 ventilators and 40 intensive care units uh, beds for a population of 2 million. Just to compare, Germany has 29 beds per 100,000 people, Belgium 22, Italy 12, France 11, and the UK 6.5, while Gaza has only 2. Breaking the cycle of structural vulnerability resulting from power relations and global hierarchies of power is the foundation for helping those who face a greater exposure of risk. It means practically stopping the blockade on Gaza and enabling the flow of medical equipment and personnel, food and medicines. It also means restoring coordination between Hamas, the PA and Israel, and immediately establishing a coordination committee of representatives that includes governments, NGOs and community leaders to prioritize emergency budget, upgrade existing water infrastructures, and to arrange emergency provision of cheap and clean water. In regard to COVID-19, many of us have the privilege of working from our safe and secure homes during this current lockdown. Most of us still have a secure job because we can easily convert our work to a virtual platform knowing that internet access and a reliable power supply can be taken for granted. We can still buy clean water and have sufficient nutritious food supplies at home. If we feel any symptoms, we can safely call a specially designated number and our healthcare systems can take care of us. The situation with COVID-19 is very different for Gazans. More than half of the Gazan population is unemployed and with chronic power shortages lasting day inside their homes. As another interviewee put it, the families here prioritize purchasing bread and fundamental items, not sterilization materials. Our children do not have entertainment places. They are playing with each other outside and not following the self-isolation procedures. If the coronavirus spreads here, it will kill a lot of people, as we have to go out, as our houses are small. As you know, I live in a refugee camp, and I just simply cannot bear to be at home all the time. Thanks for listening. Our thanks also to Michelle Pache and Haim Jacobi. Follow them as they host international conversations online about these and other related topics. For more podcasts and think pieces from the IAS, just Google Institute of Advanced Studies Talk Pieces and hit our website. You can send us your feedback at instituteofadvancedstudies at ucl.ac.uk. 
This podcast was produced by Catherine Stokes and me, Albert Benchada Aguilar. Music is by Little House, Best of Feelings, and the BBC Sound Archive. Communications are by Patricia Mascarello Bard, and executive producer is Tom Argard. Look after yourselves and others. We'll see you soon.